0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. You know, I always enjoy visiting with the chamber directors. I say that all the time, but Tish Williams obviously is no exception to that rule. Her work in Hancock County over all these years is really, really, really important. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have her not only as a regular guest, but a friend and someone I respect greatly. And man, when she speaks about one coast, she means it. She, is a, a, she understands that each of these communities have incredible diversity, but she also understands when we work together on common issues, we can achieve in unbelievable things. And I'm thrilled to to have the opportunity to catch up with her today. So now let's move over to my friend, Dr. Moby Solange. Now you know him. He's got he wears a bunch of different hats. So first of all, he's the the president and executive director for the Institute for Marine Mammal Studies. We're going to talk about a, a rescue they did recently. We'll come back to that in a second. He's also um, involved in this organization. I've talked about several times the Mississippi Coast uh, Mississippi Sound Coalition, which is really looking into diversions that come from the Mississippi. Sound and how that affects um, the Mississippi Sound, especially things like the Bonnie Carey Spielway. He's a science advisor uh, chair for that for that effort. And then, uh, of course, Ocean Adventures you know, who had a great summer in, in spite of the pandemic. and We'll get an update on that here in just a second. But without any further ado, let me just say good morning to my friend, Moby Solange. Hey, Moby, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Good morning, Ricky. I'm delighted to be on your show. Uh, I know you cover quite a bit of things and uh, uh, we're ready to let you know things are going really well. So why don't we do
0: this? I'd I'd like to start with Ocean Adventures. People wonder, we have an aquarium in Gulfport now, we have Ocean Adventures, each kind of had their unique approaches. Um, You've sort of just focused on what you do well and Ocean Adventures at the end of the day had a great summer, tell me more about that.
1: we really did. I mean, there was a lot of pent up demand From uh, 2020. Um, And then, of course, people didn't go far enough to like Orlando and other places. And and this was a bumper year for us. And uh, a lot of people came from Louisiana and uh, Tennessee and uh, Arkansas. And so we did uh, extremely well. Uh, We were able to adjust our schedules so that uh, uh, we were able to accommodate the regulations about uh, social distancing. We had all sorts of precautionary measures. And uh, again, we have a very unique experience. It's very interactive and people really enjoyed. It. We had a lot of repeat customers, which were very privileged to have. What what was smart about
0: our approach, and I had Milton Seguerre on the on the show many, many times early on talking about it that over 80% of the people who traveled to coast of Mississippi came here by cars and during the pandemic they realized that people felt safe in their cars. And so we're going to really zero in on um, promoting coastal Mississippi as a safe destination, because we knew again, so many uh, 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 drove here. I had uh, Fofo Gillich on the show last week, and he was he talking to about talking to me about the incredible uh, success that the Biloxi casinos have had. We had like four months in a row of a hundred million plus revenue, a hundred million plus a month. And some people said, well, it's because of the stimulus checks. You know, the stimulus checks went out there and people just spent a lot of the money. And you know, what's interesting, if it would have just been because of the stimulus checks, then every every tourism destination in America would have had a bumper year, but that's not what happened. You know, every tourism destination in the country was having really difficult numbers, and we were holding our own because we we got focused around from a data-driven point of view, where are the opportunities to bring people in here? And you were the beneficiary of that, weren't you?
1: Exactly, uh, we, we had a couple of good things going for us. Number one, we were very affordable. We were in an area where people wanted to kind of not go too far. And uh, uh, and I think we were one of the very few organizations that let anybody go. We maintained our staffing. As a matter of fact, during the pandemic, we increased our staffing. And so uh, this has been uh, my lifetime of th- things. Every time we've had a disaster, whether it was Katrina or the oil spill, we've always come out ahead. And for, for I don't know what reason, uh, we were really hunkered down, and uh, this was astonishing to see that these were numbers that uh, we would not have expected, especially when the schools were closed, our field trips, which is our bread and butter, weren't there, which were then uh, compensated by folks that were within uh, 150 mile distance driving, and uh, uh, we were having a field day. And again, we also have a very unique experience, and the, the repeat business is what I think made a big difference for us.
0: I know it did make a difference for you, and we could go all day long, even about your commitment to have people from the Delta and North Mississippi come down here and be able to enjoy and touch and and understand the vital role that Coastal Mississippi plays in the overall ecosystem of the environment. But we don't we don't have time to go into all those things. But I want to congratulate you on your success with Ocean Adventures during some difficult times. And I think one of the reasons it's been so successful is one is you got a great destination, but second you. you the interactivity that is there and how important that is to you and people. You love to give people a chance to get as close as possible so they can understand it and touch it. And man, that makes a big difference. Um, Hurricane Ida, you're a scientist then. I mean, that's why you're chair of this important group as part of this Mississippi Sound Coalition. You're a scientist. You spent a lifetime studying how dolphins are the canary in the mind to sort of the biological health of the ecosystem. And uh, so when when a hurricane hits, and one as really difficult as Ida was, particularly for South Louisiana, uh, it had effects that were wide ranging. Why don't you kind of give me an update on what you what you're seeing by that?
1: Well, so we were really uh, prepared for the worst. Uh, Ida was predicted to be uh, as much as uh, Katrina was, and for Louisiana, I think it was a worse disaster than Katrina. Uh, But uh, uh, you know, we dodged a bullet. I think we got a lot of rain. Uh, We had uh, no damage. Uh, Louisiana got the brunt of it, and they had also quite a bit of uh, um, ecological damage to their uh, their systems. Uh, there were some dolphins that were found dead in Black parish uh There were also like we can talk about a little bit of a dolphin that stranded in uh, a drainage ditch in Slidell and we were able to go help and rescue especially with everything closed in uh, New orleans
0: yeah it's uh well we can we can get to that i mean it's interesting when a hurricane comes, people are kind of in the immediate aftermath we know this well they're they're kind of focused in, pay attention. And then other news comes up and we get on with our lives and people aren't as focused as they normally would. We understood that well after Katrina. But in the case of Ida, the damage to the bayou and river parishes down further was just incredible. And Ecologically, you're talking about wetlands damage. You're talking about, um, in some cases, oil spills. Obviously, every time there's a a, a boat sinks or a ship sinks, you, you're going to have damage from that. But you had some some of the oil rigs that released some oil. Nothing that's that's gigantic in nature. But when these the, all these things add up and add to real challenges, and that concerns you, I know. I mean, it
1: it, it has changed the landscape of. Uh, uh, the ecosystem. I mean, both from on the eastern side and the western side um, of the of the Mississippi River, some some of the smaller communities that depend upon their fisheries, uh, they're going to suffer for a few years.
0: They are definitely going to suffer for a few years, but you know what? They're resilient. You bet. They're resilient.
1: And, and one of the things that's uh, really interesting, uh, you know, I, I spoke with uh, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. And one of the things that's going to be really important for Louisiana and Mississippi, in the next 15 or 20 years, as we shift to renewable energy and others, oil and gas is not going to be as important as food security. If you listen to all the United Nations speeches and the the seafood basket is uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas. And I think if we don't take care of our ecosystem and ecology, uh, uh, we are not going to be as much dependent on uh, oil and gas as much as we're going to be looking for food throughout the world yeah okay that's going to be the key
0: for losing so survival so so Moby, we're going to we're we'll talk about the the dolphin rescue in the in the next segment but give me the give me the update on what's the latest on the on the mississippi river diversion projects as part of the coalition
1: effort well, I think uh, if you've been following, and I think you need to get uh, uh, General Blessy back on, uh, the uh, federal court refused a couple of their um, pleadings, which was uh, related to the Corps of Engineers' uh, ability to direct and redirect the river. However, one thing they kept was uh, the effect of uh, the river uh, diversions on the ecosystem, the marine mammals and turtles, which is what we've been telling them is that uh, yes, the Corps of Engineers has discretion as to when it can open and close uh, uh, various spillways, but they have they do not have a mandate to affect uh, or the decision could affect the protected and endangered species. So the things that's going to keep that uh, lawsuit alive is uh, the type of work we do and. Uh, we will talk about a little bit about the type of work we're doing to provide the data to a state and federal agencies to make sure that those uh, dangers are considered in the way uh, the Corps of makes its
0: decisions. So we will get Gerald back on to Gerald Blessy who is actively involved in that effort. This is one of the most important issues we can talk about long-term for coastal Mississippi and the health of our ecosystem. The Mississippi Sound was never meant to have that, all that river water, the pollutants that are in it, the fresh water that come into the Mississippi Sound. That's not a good thing. When we come back though, We're going to talk specifically about a stranded dolphin rescue that took place in Slidell on September the 5th. We'll be back after this break. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Dr. Moby Solange, and he's part of the Marine Mammal Stranded Network. He's a key member of that effort. And on September the 5th, you know, when you think about hurricanes, you don't often think about what what happens to all these incredible animals that are underneath the water. You know, I mean, one one obviously is the is the dolphin, and they discovered one and and a small one in a pond, literally in a pond in Slide on Lake Pontchartrain Drive, and Moby and others came to this uh, this uh, porpoise's rescue, they ultimately released it uh, off the coast of Waveland. But for our YouTube and Facebook audience, Kyle's gonna show a couple of photos as we go through this. But tell me about that day, uh, Mo- um, Moby.
1: Uh, really, right after the hurricane had passed, uh, on the 30th, we got a report. There was a drainage ditch um, that had a dolphin in it. And it was like 300 uh, a, a foot uh, long, uh, you know, f- a 50-foot-wide uh, drainage area that uh, was used to, uh, for flood control. And so we sent a team in, they looked at it, they photographed, they saw there were some lesions developing. It was in a dire shape. And and, the, and NOAA, which has du- jurisdiction, uh, put a team together because the Louisiana stranding network was really not functional. And so uh, they had folks from SeaWorld for... We provided about 20 of our individuals. We provided nets, logistics, boats. And we have people from, uh, uh, you know, Dauphin Island Sea Lab, uh, and our veterinarian served as the lead veterinarian uh, to in this in this effort. And so um, we were able to uh, capture it safely. Uh, we were able to examine its uh, health uh, issues and criteria. We put a satellite tag on it brought it to Waveland and put it uh, into hopefully uh, good conditions for its survival. This was a really small animal. It looks like these huge waves uh, pushed it right into the, uh, uh, through the uh, Lake Pontchartrain area into one of these drainage ditches. So it it was a lot of people got together, the law enforcement, folks from NOAA and the Sheriff's Department in Slidell. uh, Everybody from the higher ups in Louisiana got involved and asked us to help in which we were able to participate in this you know very unique venture
0: what's interesting about it is literally for the radio eyes it's literally a drainage canal I mean think, think of your typical Louisiana drainage canal they had to uh, erect these barriers out of nets uh, in the drainage canal to contain where this animal could go and eventually were able to get close enough to it where they could they could get it and take it out safely and then, uh, as you pointed out, check it out and whatever. But what, what it was shocking about the pictures are are the number of people involved in that effort. I mean, it. I mean, when you say there's a stranded mammal, and in this particular case, it was it was delivered from essentially the Gulf into this, uh, eventually through the Lake Train into this drainage canal. I mean, the people t- came out of the woodwork to help in that effort. That's that's the beauty of the Stranded Network, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it, again, it's, not, it's people think, oh my God, you can put a net and catch it. But there's a, there's a lot of danger, you know, in uh, in, in the safety of the people and the safety of the animal. Um, these are um, you know air breathing animals, that if they going to a net and you can't recover quickly, they're going to drown on you. Uh, there were alligator gar in those drainage ditches, so there's lots of things that you had to uh, navigate uh, to rescue it safely. Uh, these are Extremely important animals that tell us a lot. They're like black boxes uh, of the ocean. And uh, by monitoring them through their uh, movement, we're going to be able to discover a lot of things as to the their use of the habitat. Why are they using it or, or uh, staying away from it? So these animals serve a, a very unique function and purpose in that ecosystem.
0: So um, what do you know about it? Do we know it much about it since you released it?
1: Well, we followed it for a while. You know, some of these batteries don't last that long. Um, And sometimes they have uh, issues with fresh water. And so we were able to track for a few days. Uh, We were able to see that it was uh, swimming along the coast. Uh, We hope that it found a pod and, uh, uh, you know, assimilated and moved on. Uh, But like I said, uh, uh, we have not received a, a recent signal, but at least for the first few days, we know that it it was doing well.
0: Well, that's that's so cool to see. Um, kind of reminds me, and I won't bring up a bad subject <laughs> um, of the uh, dolphins that were captured after <coughs> Hurricane Katrina. Katrina that were yeah. released from marine life. What a what an incredible story that was.
1: Yeah, no, that but, was um, that was yeah. even more incredible than this. I mean, they could have been gone; they could have not come back, but they did come back, and we were able to save all of them, which was. I think, a, a very remarkable event that hasn't happened uh, in in world history as it deals with brain mammals. And so these are animals that somehow uh, didn't want to go.
0: They didn't want to go. They didn't want to go. Wow. I mean, again, you and I have had that story before on Coast View, but what an amazing story that was. Um, and
1: documentaries and books. books. That, yeah.
0: Say yeah. it again? I said, books and documentaries have been... Yeah, yeah, that. there you go, there you go. Anyway, this has been Dr. Movi Solange. He's the president, executive director of the Institute for Marine Mammal Studies. And of course, they have ocean adventures over on Seaway. And uh, if you haven't been there, you gotta go take a look at it. It's one of the top attractions in Mississippi. And uh, he's also deeply involved in the Mississippi Sound and the health of the Mississippi Sound. And he's also a good friend. So I admire him and look forward to chatting with him again in the near future. Have a great day, my friend. And thank you very much for inviting
1: me and good luck with your show.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Take care and we'll see you tomorrow.